Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short controlled bursts. I'm John Ingle. And back again, I'm Jason Heck, and today we're tackling Minute 129, which begins with the alien queen spotting Newt below the grating and ends with Ripley landing a solid left hook. Whammy. So Ripley's just going to punch that alien queen? She's going to need some help, buddy, and I don't mean just Charles Atlas. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Well, so I guess this minute starts, right? We're Newt's under the grating, alien stomping around on top of her. Great. They- Alien Low injects budget. a little What's that? The alien injects a new thing, starts lifting up gratings. Yeah, so the, that begs the question. That This is what I was teasing at yesterday. Is there a comedy scene where um, Hicks and Ripley are trying to cut through that grating going, oh, God, hurry, Hicks. I, I know. I'm getting through there. And then, uh, you know, Vasquez or somebody comes along and just picks up a, a section of it and says, guys. You know, like why <laughs> earlier we established that these are really hard to cut through. It's really hard to get down. I guess on the Sulaco, you just pick them right up. I, just yeah, I, up, they're I, all segmented. And, so, so you think maybe why does it have to be Vasquez? Because she's all jacked. You could lift up. I just thought of a name. I just thought of a name. I man. doubt it. You could have said Gorman. He was alive nope. toward the end. Gorman, Gorman would not have known that about the floors. There's no way. Gorman would not know. Gorman didn't know anything if it's not on a computer screen. Anyway, I'm just saying that it's kind of funny that we had this big moment earlier where cutting through the grading to get to Newt was this like ticking time bomb of like a tension suspense. Right. And here the alien queen figures out she can just pick them up. Obviously, we're in a different place and it's probably a different, you know, reason for the grading uh, that we have here in this hangar bay. But so here's a Newt pick for you. The alien queen is yanking up these enormous, I don't know, four by four, six by six, six by six gratings or whatever. And we see her do it four times, I think. Mm -hmm. Where's she putting them? Tossing them. You never hear it. Do you not? I don't think you hear him get tossed aside. Then she's she's gently setting them down. I I don't think that makes sense either. Maybe she's throwing them so far that you just don't even... Wouldn't it be great? It. Well, and also there's so when they're having their big tussle, there should be holes all over the floor too, right? Yeah, they could have had a moment where somebody stepped in a hole, or yeah, that that could have been part of the fight scene. Or is the guess, alien but. queen a typical mom and a neat freak, and she puts him back where she finds him? Oh, you think she pulls him off and Newt runs away? She puts it back, pulls the next one off, right? Like I'm going to get you, dear. Hold on, and then she puts it back. You know, bundle up when it's cold. I wonder if she's, you know, like a real mom like that. Like, you know, a Maybe. place for everything and everything in no. its place. Maybe she's just trying to help Newt. No, we haven't even thought about that. We're all assuming that she's trying to kill Newt. Jesus, she thinks she's going to, what, she wants to get her so she can be a better mother than Ripley? Yeah, well, she just Ripley just killed all of her kids. Maybe she's just like, I'll, I'll take your kid. You might as well but just hand her to over my to lair and- Joan Crawford at this point. Jesus. Yeah, this is a... God, this episode's already going off the rails. Uh, you know, this episode is honestly belching smoke, and it's about to get shoveled over with dirt at this point. Well, it's it's lucky that this is such an insignificant minute of the movie that we don't really yeah, have. Except for arguably one of the most iconic shots and scenes in science fiction and action cinema. Are you, you're talking about when the, the alien queen reaches down into the grating? That's exactly <laughs> it. And Newt unleashes her sonic uh-huh. scream to try and repel it again, just like she used to control the face huggers. Right. And I guess I didn't realize that was so iconic. Yeah. So then we have Newt. It's actually kind of cool. The queen is eliminating by, you know, using process of elimination to take away Newt's hiding places. It's actually kind of yeah. cool. 
she's she's like i don't want to deal with this i don't need the aggravation so i'm just going to cut this off and again it lets you feel that there is something a little bit more than rudimentary intelligence to the queen definitely you you see puzzling she she can she can play a little game of chess here really because she's just kind of shoving newt into a corner she's putting her in checkmate right so to speak and she gets Um, her she's ready she's got her and i think this is just another thing about this like floor grading set piece that we have here Mm -hmm. it's wonderful bit of like horror movie budget filmmaking it's you got a you got a puppet and you've done a great job with the puppet but you also have to do a zillion shots with the puppet so it's it's a nice budget sort of way to have this effect where you're shooting up through the grading at the, at the puppet and you don't have to articulate it too much. You don't have to have it be perfect. It's just up there. So you can get a few shots in like on schedule and on budget that aren't like, you know, going to take all day. So you just have this point of view shot of Newt looking up through the grating at the alien queen and it's terrifying. And then you cut down at this little girl's eyes looking up through um, so beautifully lit. And uh, it's just great. It's cheap. It's really effective though. It's terrifying. Like you said, she's going to get her. And this is a super scary moment because the last time we saw Ripley, she we didn't know what the hell she was going to do, right? Right. Like if you're watching this movie for the first time, we saw Ripley in a closet. There are no harpoon guns or uh, or, or hatchets or spacesuits in there. We don't see any evidence of anything that she's going to do. And I, I, t- I tell you, do you think anybody thought, oh, she should get one of those loader suit things she was using uh, two hours ago when they were watching this movie? I doubt it. I seriously doubt if anyone remembered those things until they saw it again. You know, they weren't utilized for anything else. You just like kind of a, what could have been a throwaway scene sort of earlier in the movie. It was a nice character moment for Ripley. Right. And a chance to flaunt so technology a little bit, but when, but when Spunkmeyer is the person you have flaunting your technology, you know, that, mm-hmm. that it's more about Ripley and, and, and less about, less about the, the uh, well, less about Spunkmeyer. Um, no, I don't think anybody thought that. And and he he delivers the reveal in one of the best po- possibly the best possible way imaginable. It's amazing. I mean, this is the this is our you know cover page for our website. This is the to me the image of the movie mm-hmm. in so many ways. Uh, I mean, I'll give you that the Ripley holding Newt on the poster is also pretty iconic mm-hmm. um, in that it says so much about what the movie's about too. But this is just so beautiful. And like I said, I, I can't imagine anybody in the theater who saw this coming. So when that door opens, you get a momentary. It's interesting editing here, too. I, I want to talk to you about it this a little bit. I could see this happening where uh, Alien Queen is about to get Newt. There's a noise, like the chunk of the door about to open. The Alien Queen turns around and looks. And then we start to see the door open. Mm-hmm. Instead, they chose... To have the alien queen almost get Newt, cut to the door starting to open and make the noise. Then the queen turns and looks, and then we get the money shot. I think that's an interesting choice because it could have very easily been that you didn't reveal anything that was going to happen until the alien queen turns and looks for herself. But instead, they give you a tease of it. Right. right you interrupt that. your big reveal to actually turn it into a, te- to a tease and then a big reveal. Yep. And I think it works great. I think they could have gone either way and maybe we wouldn't have noticed one way or the other, but I love that you start to get the door opening and then you cut back to the queen almost as if, I don't know, as if the queen's saying, what is what, she coming out of here? Is she coming out of that door? Uh, what, what What's going on? Like what could possibly be happening here? And then you get this door open and you see this beautiful machine 
and backlit in the way that it is. That makes it so epic and heroic and kind of ridiculous in a great, great way. You know, like this, why is it backlit this way? Why is there a light directly behind it? No practical reason, but because we need this to be the big hero shot, it's got to put a big exclamation point on the hero story of this movie and hold on that shot and let her walk up to her mark in that suit. And it's so beautiful and epic. And and it. Cameron gets so much mileage out of, out of his, uh, his flashing lights, you know, his, his spitting, mm-hmm. you know, siren type lights, you know, obviously they, they reach their apex with the, uh, the opening of the loading dock where he, I don't know, he has like 16 red sirens in there, but he really gets a lot of mileage from the big white spinners around the landing bay. Um, it just, yeah. they lend everything an urgency and a coolness that, you know, it's, it's almost like, I, I want to say it's sort of a side effect because he loves using them anyway. He loves, you know, warning, you know, yellow and black warning tape and he loves big signs and he really the tech is 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 a is so fetishized in this but he gets so much mileage from those lights in the confrontation in the chasing of newt in how she's lit and now of course when the uh, when the good folks at caterpillar provide us with our quite literal deus ex machina to come in and sort things out um it's it's a thing of beauty yeah it's almost one of those things like i I started writing notes for this and I'm not sure what to say about it. It's one of those images, you know, up, up to the point that we get this line from her. Uh, it's just one of those in- images that speaks for itself in so many ways. I mean, if you've seen this movie and if you've seen this moment, you know that it was, it's inspiring. And, and again, it's like one of those reveals that's perfectly well, perfectly buried in the movie. Like it was such a notable effect earlier, a, a, a prop, an effect earlier in the movie that it is in your brain, but there's absolutely no reason for you to have thought of it again since. It's like, wow, that's such a brilliantly thought out reveal mm. to have to be your big reveal. It's like something notable, something that nobody's going to go, wait, what's that? When they see it, even for a split second, as soon as you see it, you go, oh yeah, but you didn't think about it one time since. That's really hard. Yeah, to it's. And, and I remember I went, I, I took a friend, uh, I don't know, probably three or four years ago, a, a girl on like a, a well a woman actually i date women um on a second date to uh and we went and saw aliens at the draft house um at, at a local yeah. theater folks called the alamo draft house and uh and she'd never seen it and i was really excited it was in their their theater one their huge theater and she i actually remember her laughing in delight and cupping her hand over her mouth in this scene you know, because it's one of those, mm-hmm. it's one of the great pleasures of watching a movie like this with someone who's never seen it. You can devote a good chunk of your attention to watching their reaction. And she just loved it. She thought it was the coolest thing ever. And, you know, oh my God, that's so cool. And then she comes out and, and tosses off her extraordinary line where it's basically mother versus mother. And, and she just loved it. She thought it was fantastic. And in the commentary, Gail Ann Hurd says that during the, the premiere screening of this, this absolutely brought the house down. Like the, when she says, get away from her, you bitch, everybody flipped yeah. out. And I think they know it. I think that Cameron Ray, and Ray Lovejoy knew it, right? Don't you think that the, there's a beat right afterwards that feels like an old classic, like Marx Brothers laugh moment or something like where they knew where to, you know, how they say about the Marx Brothers would, they would edit their movies because they would have worked that vaudeville right. routine out 
So they knew where the jokes were going to get the laughs so they would have a pause and to let the laughs happen. We get the queen's reaction to this line. It's a nice moment too, just to have the queen sort of react to the line as if she understood it, (laughs) which is kind of always the sense I've got is like, she's like, fuck that, you know, or something. But I think they knew it was going to be screaming in the audience or like delightful laughing and whatever noises come. You know, yeah. It's, it's the moment where Rocky cuts Drago and the audience goes nuts, right? It's, it's that yep. first moment where you realize that our hero has a chance against something that is hitherto unstoppable. That is, uh, that is, uh, uh, you know, more of a, of a force of destruction than, than an actual being. Now I remember when I saw Rocky four, November 27th, 1985 at crown center, when he punches Drago into the eye and cuts him, the audience stood up and cheered in a theater that's something that critics say right makes you want to stand up and cheer but you don't actually get that this is a moment in this movie where you want to pump your fist where you want to clap your hands and say yes this is it now we're going to have a throwdown now all of her anger has an outlet with this with this exoskeleton. Now she's empowered to do something about it and to act on it and I love the way the queen you know, she can only really she squeals in fury or 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 pain, but she mostly hisses and exhales. And she looks at Ripley and gives her this hiss that's kind of okay. I'm ready. Let, let's do this. It's on. And it creates that built-in moment for the cheering to to come and go and then get back right. into the movie. It's like I feel like they did know. I feel like they knew, but. I want to talk about the line a little bit, uh, the, the the choice to have her say what she says. And I think it's an interesting thing because it's, it's not just a throwaway line. It's not just a badass one-liner from no. Schwarzenegger type of thing. It's got something behind it. And I think that what it is, is it, it is supposed to play like a Schwarzenegger one-liner, but it's also supposed to remind us. And I think you already kind of hinted at it, that this is a female versus female battle. I think she uses that specific word just to remind the audience, this is right. mother versus mother. This isn't just Ripley versus some alien. This the, the, the female battle that's going on that we've talked about multiple times, especially in the last couple of weeks when, since the introduction of the alien queen, he wanted to re- remind us that, that was there. And we even have, you know, a, a literally like neutered, male figure on the ground, you know, split in half helpless. We've got a sleeping male figure in the, in the drop ship helpless. He can't do anything. It really has now distilled funneled down to this woman versus woman battle. And he threw uh, this feminine, you know, uh, uh, word in there that the traditionally, uh, you know, uh, is meant to represent a female in a pejorative fashion. Uh, in there, not only to get the cheer, not only to get the uh, have the badass one liner, but to remind us what we had here. I think, I, 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 and I kind of wish, I kind of wish that we had a woman to talk about this. I'd, I would like to hear more from a woman about this particular moment mm-hmm. in the movie. Maybe I'll do a little like one off with somebody or something. But um, I, I think that there is some, there is a little bit of of that kind of gender energy in there i think that he's wanting to remind us that that's that makes sense given given what we know about cameron's affection for strong female protagonists and particularly mothers yeah you you know this is this is you know ripley is a certainly a prototype sarah connor um in in her her fierce 
devotion to protecting her, her call it her child in this case. I, I think that distinction sort of becomes meaningless. Um, but with, with his obvious um, affection for and respect for empowered, passionate, capable women, I think the line is absolutely perfectly, and also factor in his his extraordinary attention to detail and the fact that this movie was his baby, capital H, capital B. I don't think there's anything throwaway about that line at all. No, me either. And I wish I would have articulated it better. I'm, I'm not sure if I was able to articulate what I was trying to say about the line. Again, I, w- I kind of wish I was talking to, you know, uh, someone closer to the idea uh, someone of the gender that we're discussing, I guess. God damn it, but, John. Um, no, I feel my best. I know, but you're just too manly. Well, I have tremendous physical strength, actually. That's true. And and lots of excess body hair that's unnecessary. I, well, that's <clears throat> I shave for the, for the broadcast. Right. Thank you for doing that. Our listeners appreciate that. Um, yeah. Um, like I said, I might have to talk to somebody more about this minute uh, for a little supplemental episode or something. But I can give you Gail Ann Hurd's phone number. You got it? Cool. Yeah, just send that yeah. Send that my way, please. Thank you. Uh, I can't believe you two held out until minute 129. I wanted to make sure that you were really passionate about it. Yeah. But we also have the, this, um, the awesomeness of this scene. You know, Ripley is, she's back on the Sulaco. We know that you know this ship is packed full of weapons for the marines right we saw them unloading you know grabbing them off the racks at the beginning but you know no guns are going to be used here this is just a single throw down visceral primitive moment it's matching might against might and it's not about you know shooting or you know because she could you know load her bandolier up and move around and hide behind crates and shoot at her and run away. But that's not how it's going to be. It's very, I'm ready to face my, my fear. I'm ready to protect my child and I'm going to do it in, in a way that is the closest thing I can get to fist fighting you. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the Caterpillar power loader, which is obviously the folks at Caterpillar certainly built it to last because she's not just lifting crates and whatnot or loading, you know, missiles into a dropship. She's using it to punch and twist and move in ways it's probably not supposed to. And boy, she lands a solid left. I'll tell you that. Right at the end, man, she gets that first shot in. I guess maybe the alien queen, she just didn't know what this was all about, did she? No, like, no, no, no. What is this crap? What is this thing? The, she was not prepared at all for this blow. She doesn't, because you would think she would start fighting right away, but I think she's just not thinking that she's uh, as outmatched as she kind of is. Right. She's like, you know, I'll probably just, first I'll, I'll spit you on my tail, and then I'll bring you up, and I'll kind of maybe nibble at you with the inner jaws, and then whammy! <laughs> yeah, she takes some good blows, and I think she sent reeling. I think it carries over into tomorrow a little bit too. I think. Uh, well, uh, I, yeah, I does. think this our giant going to go on for into next week. So, our giant duke out is yeah. It's gonna it's gonna take up some time. It's a big one, as well. It should be. This should not be some throwaway. I'm going to think my way out of this one real quick. This should be her having a chance to vent. And and to to pour all of her fear and anger yeah. and and the powerlessness that she's felt ever since you know she was on Gateway stations having these dreadful nightmares and feeling utterly powerless and finding the courage inside herself to trust Carter Burke who says we're going to destroy them and to go out and now she finally it's all up to her 
this is it. And Cameron knows that. And the sequence is great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. This is one of those duels, you know, in the, in the history of film duels, mm-hmm. this one's got to be a story in itself. Like this has got to have, well, a couple of things. I, I think it's got to have a structure, like a story. Like mm-hmm. We're going to have to see it move as its own little short film, but it's also got to be, it's got to be truly violent. I think because so much of Ripley's relationship with these things, this nightmare that she's had is so pre- uh, it's so based on violence that I don't think yeah. we could have this like one, uh, one-on-one duel, like uh, the ending of St. Juro or something where there's this moment where they stare at each other and then who's going to make the first move or anything that not th- the ending of San Juro is one of my favorite endings of any movie ever. But uh, in this case, I think it really has to get brutal. And I think she's really got it. We got to see her struggle against this demon. It's not, it's not about the, the, I don't know, manners of the duel, the etiquette of a duel or anything like that. It's about straight up violence and, and just knocking this dream, this nightmare out of your, out of your life for good. Right. You're right. It's, it's a huge purge. It has to be super visceral and there has to be repeated blows and there has to be ups and downs and, um, so that's why this thing has got to go on for a few minutes, I guess is the point I'm making. Like you, like you also did, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, like, like the other great duels, you know, Clint Eastwood versus the Russian pilot in Firefox, Roy Scheider versus Malcolm McDowell in blue thunder. I mean, the, there are endless duels and they're, they're just, those are just the ones in the air. Yeah. Those are just ones that are take place in uh, like aviation based action cinema of the early eighties, man. If I thought you had the time for a blue thunder minute, I would be your co-host every single day. Only if we did the show. Uh, 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 oh yeah. I'm a Farentino. I'm a Farentino. Are you kidding me? Sandy McPeak. Dana Carvey. And, and, and what is it? Dick, but Dick, but What is it? Dick, but And his character's name was ski, but and Bubba, was it Bubba Smith plays Bubba Kelso? Yeah. So back when Bubba Smith and Dick Butkus couldn't do a movie without each other contractually, apparently. Right. But I mean, you know, when you think about it as writers, you're like, okay, we got Bubba Smith. Well, let's do a character named Bubba Kelso. Okay. Well, we got Dick Butkowski. Uh, we got Dick Butkus. Well, how about a character named Butkowski? Yeah. Let's not make him work too hard. Yeah. They might forget their names. You so. know, it's enough that we've got him driving a truck and shooting and supporting James Ferentino. Let's let's not have him. We don't want to have him forget each other's names. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, let's look forward to the Blue Thunder Minute. I do own the DVD set. I did pick it up. It's, uh, it was $9. So uh, there you go. All right. uh, and here's here's your here's your tie-in, buddy. So in Firefox, which you mm-hmm. saw with your dad, and you remember there's a scene where the Firefox lands on an ice floe. Yeah. Okay. And this Russian cruiser sends two helicopters to investigate. Mm-hmm. When Eastwood does a close-up of the cockpit of the Russian helicopter, because they're models, but he does a close-up of these two pilots in the cockpit. That cockpit is the cockpit mock-up of Blue Thunder. Is it really? Yeah, it's 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 a little what I call ultimate trivia trivia or trivia so trivial it matters not at all. But there's your Blue Thunder tie-in right there and okay. Firefox tie-in. So all right, so we have Blue Thunder and Firefox tied together for some reason on an Aliens podcast. That's okay. my Christmas gift to our listeners. Yeah, thanks for that. Well, you're welcome. All right, well let's move on to tomorrow. I'll be have- back tomorrow, buddy, for minute one thirty. All right, that, that's going to do it for Minute 129. You can find us at AlienMinute.com on 
Twitter at Alien Minute Pod, on Instagram at Alien Minute Podcast, and uh, feel free to come over to our virtual tip jar and uh, throw a few bucks in there. It's the holidays, uh, you know. It's a, it's a time for giving. Might get you a virtual lap dance from yours truly. Yeah. <laughs> So. I will support most of my weight on my legs. I'm actually very heavy, but I will actually mostly just support my weight on my legs. I won't actually be on anyone's lap. Okay, cool. Good to hear. But yeah, if you, anybody feels like throwing a couple bucks into the uh, tip jar, got to keep the lights on over here at Alien Minute Studios. It'd be very helpful. So head on over there. All right. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you tomorrow for Minute 130. Sweet dreams.